Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm Jay, JB, sat down here in the rugby dungeon on what might be the eve of one of the most monumental weekends of rugby in history. And sat next to me in his recliner is Phil. Hello, Phil. <laughs> Hello, JB. And down the line, Tim Corker. How are you, Tim? Hello, uh, I'm very well. Thank you, Phil and Jay, JB. J, JB, did I, is, is that how I introduced myself? J, you did. Oh dear. Well, there we go. <laughs> so good they named him twice. There we go. Like, like, like JJ Okocha. Yes. Or what's the Amer- American football player? JJ Watts. Is it JJ Watts? Yeah. I'm sure there's some. Or, some other... or the JJB Soccer Dome. <laughs> Who? <laughs> the the old um, sports brand JJB. Ah. Oh yeah. I used to be a member JJB Sport in. In the Trafford Centre. <laughs> One of the grimmest gyms I've ever been to, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, really was. So I apologise I apologize not for being there. I'm, uh, the shipping container is in South London at the minute. I'm, I'm in chunky knitwear and, um, and staying warm. Now, are stay, you in chunky knitwear because that's a, like, a hipster thing for you, for, for you radio people to do? Or is you actually cold? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I love this time of year. I'm happy in layers. And I like, uh, I like my chunky knit. Can I tell you what makes Hides me... Hides sins. Can I, can I tell you what makes me happy? And I don't realise it until I do it. And every time I do it, I don't feel like I'm going to be happy until afterwards. And no, it's not what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> I've just finished <laughs> rugby training. So I was only coaching uh, lineups today. I didn't want to go. I got on my bike. It was raining. Got there, did an hour, and afterwards felt magnificent. And I think it might be something to do with this weekend of rugby coming up. There's a lot to look forward to. I'll, I'll give you my little um, winter warmer thing that I always look forward to. I've not done it yet this year. Ooh. I might do it tomorrow night. It's putting, it's building a fire yep. in the log burner and putting a prop, oh. a proper fire on. Ooh, yes, nice. And it's yes. also awful for the local environment, which is a you know double Absolutely. bonus. Greta Thunberg hates that. <laughs> and this weekend is. It's going to be uh, it's going to be absolutely biblically horrible weather on Saturday morning, and getting a nice cup of tea, bacon sandwich on, turning the the heating up, sitting under a blanket and watching the England game. Oh word, bring it on! I cannot, I cannot wait. I got so excited when the, when the teams were announced, and I was flicking through them at lunchtime today. I got this like 
shot, this wave of adrenaline hit me. It was almost like I was about to play rugby myself. I was so <laughs> excited for this game. Were you rubbing deep heat on your suit? <laughs> Uh, maybe. maybe maybe a bit of deep heat just to get me in the mood exactly <laughs> do you know I, I'm really struggling to get into these semi-finals I, I, what yeah I'll tell you why what I, yeah insane because do you know what you're Welsh do you know what <laughs> you live in England yeah but I can I, all I can tell you is the idea of a Wales-England semi-final is like the, final the most stressful proposition I can possibly think oh. of. I mean, to the point it's actually putting me off these games. <laughs> One of these teams has to lose because imagine next week if Wales-England is the final. Oh, oh my God. That would be... <sighs> Gives me heart palpitations. Yeah. <laughs> that would be horrible. A horrible, horrible... It would be brilliant for the home nations, but just the stress. Imagine if Wales won. Oh, they're, they're... well, imagine if England won. <laughs> I, 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 it just blows my mind. I mean... You know, they're, they're worried about a hard border on Northern Ireland. Worry about the <laughs> Seven Bridge. Oh. oh, dear. So, anyway, we've got the England team out. England, New Zealand and South Africa teams all announced. Yeah. Just Wales. Why is the Wales team not announced, do you, do you know? So, they don't have to announce until tomorrow, um, two days before the game. And I, the, Wales, Gatland has always announced quite late. And combine that with the fact that half of their squad is suffering from some kind of injury or ailment. They're going to delay it to the last minute. Uh, Yes. And, of course, Liam Williams is out. Not just for the semi-final, the entire World Cup. Yeah. That feels massive to me. Navidi out is quite big, but Williams is is their best player. Oh. Oh, have we got... Tim? I, I am here. I know it's weird. You just went quiet for a minute. Oh, no, right. Yeah. There was a Skype inter- bit of interference. No problem. Okay. Uh, no worries. What do you think of the England team, Tim? Because we'll come back to Wales later. So Eddie Jones has made one change at uh, 10 and 12. Yep. And I really like that selection. And we were talking about it last week after the Australia game. but And Phil used the word in relation to George Ford when he came on how composed, you said calm and composed, and I totally agree with that. He really just made really smart, simple decisions and executed them really well. And I think actually in the pressure cooker of a game against New Zealand, just that calm head, that tactical, territorial brain is going to be really, really important. Why is that superior to Farrell's? So it's interesting. I'm I'm not necessarily saying it is superior to Farrell's, I just mean the two of them together. Phil? Yeah, the, the two of them together. So I, I was fairly confident he would go for exactly the same team, yes. but barring any injury. And then when the team was announced, I was a little bit surprised, but I kind of thought it through. And I think the way that England played for those last 20 minutes against Australia is how they're intending to play that game. And by that, I mean you've got two two pivots, but also two very good astute tactical kickers yeah. who can change the field and change the perspective so we've spoken in the past about if you're playing 15 you're looking for cues from the kicker and that the those cues will give you a marker for where you're going to stand so that you can best recover the 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 ball yeah if you've got two kickers and two options at all times those um 
indicators and those markers are going to be different at all times. So it gives England a bit of opportunity to change the field, kick deep, and then, this is the interesting thing, and this is, in my head, a bit of a gamble, I think they're going to kick quite a lot and trust their defence against that. Trust their defence. They're going to almost bait New Zealand. It it feels like they're building up for a rope-a-dope trick. They're going to bait Bowden and Severis and George Bridge and Ardy Surveyor if he goes back there and Kieran Reid to run everything at them and trust that their defence can hold it time after time after time. I have no doubt that that is the wrong strategy for England. I think England have to go out there, absolutely smash them in the face, not literally, you know, but <laughs> metaphorically. Uh, what is the old MMA saying? Every black belt um, becomes a brown belt as soon as he's punched in the face. <laughs> and I think that's what England have to do. Like they did at Twickenham against them. They turn on the power game, they score early, but unlike the last game, they carry on scoring. So I don't think those two strategies are mutually exclusive. Okay. I think you can do both of them. Because you, you, can't, you can't kick for territory unless you've got possession. And you can have that that absolute brutal physicality when you are defending, and particularly when you're defending a kick chase. Funny enough you should say that, Phil, because I might be making this up, but I'm sure England's possession stats against Australia last week were woeful. Uh, terrible. Uh, terrible. Yeah, ter- well, well, t- it depends the way you look at it. It was, again, as, as exactly as Phil's kind of highlighted, I think England are comfy without a ball in it, kind of Saracens circa 2015 kind of fashion. Yeah. And, and England had the had possession of the ball against Australia for 10 minutes 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And and scored four tries in doing so. Uh, yeah. And won uh, four kickable penalties in the Australian um, half while doing so, which is quite incredible. The The clinicalness, the efficiency of England against Australia was, was very impressive. Yeah, so New Zealand have made a rather... Bizarre call, I would say. Interesting call, yes. Why not bizarre? Um, it's bizarre from one aspect, the fact that he's never started there for New Zealand. Uh, we're obviously referring to Scott Barrett starting at um, blindside flanker. Yep. Um, I wouldn't say bizarre. It's He's certainly got the skill set to be able to play international back row. And I'm pretty sure he has. And, and didn't he finish the game against yeah. uh, England there? I, I'm pretty certain he's come off the bench actually multiple times and filled in there. Or even moved there later in the game. He's a hurricane, yeah? No. Oh, is he not? Where, where's he playing? Crusader. Oh, is he? Did not do that. Has he ever played there for the Crusaders? Um, Not sure is the honest answer. He certainly will have played there. Whether he started there, I don't know. So it's a more unexpected selection than than Eddie Jones's change. That's for certain. It is. Yes. At least you can point to Eddie Jones's change and say, "Well, you know, he's done this for for four years on and off." Well, on the Ford Farrell thing, there's one stat I saw. I'll, I'll give the I'll give the name the guy credit in a minute. I saw it on Twitter, and the stat was that Ford and Farrell have been used as a ten twelve combo in professional era of international rugby. Uh, only four. 10 12 combos have been used more in history of professional international rugby. Oh, are we allowed to guess who they are? Wow. Yeah, go on. Yeah, do that. So, Rodan O'Gara and Gordon Darcy. Correct. Oh, well done, Phil. That, that's Dan, a... second, the second highest. Dan Carter and Marnonu. Is the top, is the most used. So, one more. 
someone like Johnny Wilkinson and Mike Cat. Or Johnny Wilkinson and Tyndall slash Greenwood, whoever's wearing the 12 shirt. But, incorrect. So I'll tell you that, that Ford Farrell is the most used English 10-12 axis uh, in uh, international, uh, international Do you know rugby. what? Is it someone like Dan Big or Jamie Roberts? Correct. That's yeah. a good show. There we go. There's your top three. And then it's a, it's a Georgian pair at, at <laughs> Four. How, 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 oh, I was going to go with the Georgian pair then. <laughs> that, that's very interesting. It's the 29th time that they'll have started together. Wow! And I suppose if you factor in, if you factored in the the scrum half position as well, it could be the most used international nine, ten, nine, 12, 10 12 combo. Yeah. In professional rugby era. Wow. Mm. Which is very interesting because it only really started post Lancaster, and then, but then I guess and by accident as well because there was loads of injuries. Yeah, but then they had the run of the eighteen nineteen wins where that was. If it wasn't for every single one, it was for ninety eight percent of those eighteen uh, nineteen wins. That was. I, the, I really the need to give credit to this guy as well while I remember. So it's uh, a chap called Simon Gleave. Oh yes, I I remember him. Uh, very good, very good, Simon. Um, before we go talking about other things around around, the, around this game, I've got a very interesting photo here, which I think you've both seen, but it's worth going through it. And this is England's nineteen ninety one team versus a two thousand and nineteen team, both of which played the All Blacks, and how they compare in weight. Weight, yeah. So, would you like to know some of the highlights? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Give him to me. So probably the biggest highlight is Mako Vunapola weighing in at a monstrous 121 kilograms. Yeah. Versus a big man, Jason, Jason Leonard. Leonard. How much did Jason Leonard weigh? So I have seen this, but at that time, because Jason Leonard in By 91, way. so he still played in, in 2003 when I imagine he was probably about 10 kg heavier. He must have been. He, yeah. I met Jason Leonard and he's bloody enormous. <laughs> Like a huge, huge man. His nickname is the Humbutts, for goodness sake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he, he would he would have been like 22 years old in 1991, something like that. So I would say in 110 kg. Yeah, like I would have thought like between 17 and 18 stone. Yeah. Of course, yeah. this is 105 kilograms. Huh. My weight. Not happening. No way. Um <laughs> Yeah. Hey, back in 1991, it's pre-professional era. It was different. So Manu Tuolangi, 112 kilograms versus Jerry Guska, 84 kilograms. Isn't that your <laughs> weight, Phil? Uh, I have been at 84 kilograms previously. What are you now? Uh, about 80 on the nose. Crikey. Right, this is interesting and almost certainly wrong. Will Calling, 88 kilograms, which tells me Will Calling was a massive man by those standards those days. And Henry Slade also listed here at 88 kilograms. Now, there's no way on earth Henry Slade is 88 kilograms. So, you did mention this earlier today, and I looked him up. And it's not like 14 stone. Yeah, it's not happening. He's a big boy. Well, so that he, he's listed as two different weights and two different heights, interestingly. <laughs> um, Exeter, so, England have him at 6 foot 2 and 87 kg, which is... Fairly light, 14 and a bit stone, 14 and a half stone. Yep. Um, whereas Exeter have him at 6 foot 4 and 96 kg, so uh, 15 and a half. I would say just eyeballing Over that. Just looking at him, I'd say 95 to 100 kilograms. 
Yeah. And I, he's definitely not six foot four. I've stood next to him a bunch of times, and he's <laughs> just around about my height, maybe a bit shorter. So six one, I'd say he is. Yeah, six six four seemed ridiculous. But maybe there was uh, extra boys. Maybe there's something in the water there. Yeah, maybe. maybe. What does his Tinder profile say? He is. <laughs> now he's got a long-term girlfriend. So uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, one one last one is Richard Hill, the scrub half. 78 kilograms. Uh, in fact, both the halfbacks, 78 kilograms. Both halfbacks now, 92 kilograms. Now, again, that feels wrong to me, right? Because Ben Youngs is not the same size as Owen Farrell. This is a nonsense. <laughs> this is a nonsense. There's no way Ben Ben Youngs and Owen Farrell are the same weight. The problem with these is, and the problem with Henry Slade's profile, so he will have been tested at one point. He will have been weighed at one point at 87 kg, and he will have been weighed at another point at 96 but he, he his fighting weight is not 96 kg but equally his current fighting weight is not 87 kg and it depends when you test when you weigh them yeah yeah whether it's in comp out of comp Andy Goode, didn't Andy Goode have his weight from like 1987 <laughs> the whole way through his career yeah when he was 6 years old how how <laughs> but Owen Farrell and Ben Youngs are not the same shape are they well, Ben Youngs is lighter. Um, Eddie Jones has said he's lighter now than he's ever been. He's in better shape than he's ever been. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to have been the same weight as Owen Farrell at a point in time. That's the point I'm making. I'm with you. I'm with I don't you. believe they're the same. Owen Farrell is another big bloke. I don't believe they're the same weight now. I've seen him. I've stood next to him in Monaco. I'm not bragging. It just happened. <laughs> and he's big. Anyway, enough of that. So, um, so but, I've, I've got two, two stats for you. For, for the game as well, seeing as you two are dishing out some stats. Yes, please. Two that, that caught my eye. Um, the, the last 16 meetings between New Zealand and England. Okay. Do you know how many England have won? I would say... 16. One. I would say no, no, how? three. No, no, so three or three. I can think of, obviously, I mean, I don't know if it goes back this far, but presumably... The one before the 2000 and whatever it is, World Cup. Because they don't play every year. So there'd be one there. The one where Ben Cohen scores, there'd be two there. One in the Stuart Lancaster, that's three. And I think but one where David, David Reese scored. So I'd say this goes back to June 2004. All right. Okay, so I would say two victories over the All Blacks. In that period. Uh, it's just the one. So the All Blacks have won. Wow. Won 15 of the last 16 encounters against England. Wow. The other stat, do you know when the last time the All Blacks lost a scrum on their own ball? Oh, good God. No. Uh, It was June 2018. (laughs) A year and a half of of winning their own scrum ball. Now, does that include penalties? Uh... I don't know. You'd have to. I, that was an opta stat. Ah, interesting. I, I'd assume it would, because conceding a penalty would count as a turnover I if really you're in possession. So, yeah. Because yeah. I bet England's scrum stats are pretty good. They're probably not too bad. Probably not too bad. So, how do England win this? Well, Scott. No, let's, let's mention oh, Scott Barrett. Okay. Like, yeah. I, on, the, on the Scott Barrett selection, I think if there was any Englishman that was, um worried about Saturday they should take a look at that selection and feel they should puff their chest out just a little bit more and feel confident because for a team as 
impressive as New Zealand to change the formula that they've been cultivating for a long period of time purely to match up against England in a different way, I think should fill us with just that little bit extra confidence. I tend to agree with you. Uh, I do as well. I, it's an interesting selection. But to, to me, I, I've read various things about people reading into it. To me, this suggests they're maybe a little bit worried about the England line-out and want to target it as well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think about how good international teams are at line-outs. And it's not as much as people make it out to be about, you know, the one-on-one battle or this and the other. It's not. It's about schemes and the right calls. I don't think Scott Barrett's going to make a huge amount of difference. But, there, but well, then again, I'm not in his national selection. On a, sorry. When he was on at Twickenham and he was playing in the back row in 2018, the, the last sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, New Zealand, uh, in the wake of that game, one of the things we were saying is they just took, took England's line out apart. Mm. And Eddie Jones has interestingly previously referenced wanting a specific line-out jumper in the back row when he plays against New Zealand, something that he's not picked here. I mean, Curry is not bad as a as, as, as a third jumper, but he's not six foot six like Scott Barrett. Nope, he definitely is. He's not six foot five like someone like uh, Brad Shields um, or Michael Rhodes, or their their back rows operating at that height. Yeah, so it makes me think that one of the second rows might come on early doors and then kick out either Laws or a Toji to the flank. Potentially. Now that that would feel if they come on before half time and we have seen Jones yep. change things before half time in the past, it would feel a bit drastic and it would feel like England are changing their strategy because they're not comfortable with the strategy they went out onto the field with. Yes, so that would that would puff the New Zealanders' chests out in the same way you were describing time. before. And also, what is it, what is the knock on that, that that has in terms of England's game strategy and ball carriers and all those other things? Because you've got to accommodate a different sort of player. Yeah, and and work rate. Because if you're doing if you're putting on a third second row, you're losing one of the Kamikaze kids who are their work rate is absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Um, I was looking back, I, I rewatched. I rewatched a fair few bits, but um, Tom Curry got man, rightly got man of the match at the weekend, and he put a hit in shortly before half-time on Reese Hodge, yep. which was on the, just outside the 22 um, of Australia's 22, when Reese Hodge was running it back, on the left-hand side of the pitch. He was the one, the phase before, who turned the ball over, on the halfway line, on the right-hand side of the pitch, he turns the ball over, England kick for the corner, he then makes 50 yards after turning the ball over and puts in that hit. Is he it working, was phenomenal. Is he working harder than the time that... Um, I can't remember the names now. How have I forgot the names? Tom Johnson and... <laughs> Maurice both, both Yeah, are. both had the same scrum hats on and we <laughs> thought they were the same person. <laughs> Tom, Tom Johnson, Johnson is everywhere. How is he doing it? <laughs> I rewatched the game as well, and I and I the thing that I thought was amazing. I remember seeing it a little bit in the game, and but I, because I'd seen it in the game, I then watched it closely and watching Tom Curry, and he he does this he does this really interesting thing now. I don't, I don't know how long he's been doing this for, but it was so noticeable. Is it the, the way he hard, the room? He, he, <laughs> he sort of goes to go into a ruck and but but stops himself. He's like um, he's sort of almost like ready to pounce, but just stops. 
and he's he's just making these really good decisions about when to get involved and when not to. That's which, is, which probably he's able to be so, so many you... places because he's identifying the opportunities oh, and so... leaving the opportunities that aren't there. Are you... I thought what you were trying to say then is he's ready to pounce onto the rook, which makes someone clear the rook, so then he can bounce out and know that they've got a numerical advantage in defence. That's no, he sort of he kind of approaches the rook as if he's going to go in, but but stops himself. But that like, like he's make, making those instant decisions about no, don't bother with that one, get the next one. I love that decision making, but that the point that you're making, Jay, probably is a a consequence of doing that. Yeah, because why would you, you if, know, so, if he's ready to go? Yeah, you may as well cover up the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I I actually went on a bit of an odyssey. Um, re-watching highlights and looking at statistics of old games this this week. <laughs> I, I did that today, actually. Um, well, so I went from... There's a couple of little routes. So I went from the England-Australia game, where England won, we referenced it before, but England won despite having significantly less territory and possession yep. throughout the game. And that reminded me a lot of Saracens Claremont. European Champions Cup, or I think it was Heineken Cup. Is this 24 tackles by Mr. Berger? Jacques Berger. Or 34, whatever so it was. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, no, 24 by half time. Yeah. My, yeah. In, so that was the semi-final in 2014. And I went back and look at, looked at those stats. And in terms of territory and possession and tackles and all the rest of it, they, they, it was near identical to the England performance. So it was it was showing an example of a performance when... A team is comfortable without the ball. And that obviously led me on to the final, where yeah. Saracens tried the th- same thing against a more dominant Toulon, Toulon team. Yeah. And that was their second of three consecutive Now, is this one Heineken where Cups. Drew Mitchell scores in the corner? Uh, it's it's um, Gitto scores in the corner. But it's a, a Gitto crossfield ah, kick yes, to Drew Mitchell, to Drew who, Mitchell turns who turns it back inside. And the one before that was, because they had three finals back to back, didn't they? Two against yeah. Toulon. And Toulon won them both. Oh, two, Clermont, two against Clermont. Finals? This is, this is Toulon. Toulon can't play against Toulon. No, Toulon played against Saracens, Saracens. two years running, I thought. Uh, I'm not sure on the 2013. But I do remember Danny Rousseau absolutely destroying Saracens. Yeah. I mean, that, that Toulon team is probably... It's probably got similarities for the New Zealand team that England are going to come up against. Because it was... It was all round a phenomenal team. I mean, you've got two playmakers with Gitto and Wilkinson calling all of the shots. You've got Bastero in his prime and in his pomp tearing yep. it up. Well, you might argue he's in his prime now and playing them Play, uh, Yeah, in his prime playing 13 oh, right, back sorry, in yeah, 2014. Yeah. Um, and they, they had skill, they had Gale, but they had a monstrous dominant pack. So that was quite interesting to watch that. And then it also this odyssey also led me to so with England and Australia, Australia getting kind of baited and forced into playing a brand of rugby in a part of the field that they didn't want to play, which led me a little bit. It led me in two directions. It led me to England Wales in 2015 in the World Cup. Okay. Um but it also led me to New Zealand South Africa in Wellington in 2018 when South Africa beat New Zealand in New Zealand 36-34. And in that game, New Zealand... So, Bowden Barrett was kicking sticks. He missed two kickable penalties... uh, Sorry, two kickable conversions at the end of the game and failed to recognise 
when he needed when he had opportunity to take a drop goal to win the game and they ultimately turned the ball over without that and that was very interesting because that then led me back to New Zealand England 2018 when um Bowden Barrett was more willing to take drop goals and more willing to take points when they were available. So I think I think New Zealand have learned from that 2018 defeat to South Africa. I actually think that's why Bowden is playing 15 because they need another kicker on the pitch. Yeah, I agree. It can't it can't be Damien McKenzie because he's injured. Jordy Barrett is not quite as good so Moonga and Bowden Barrett are both playing. God, imagine if Damien McKenzie was fit. Yeah. Good. God. All the intercept passes for Johnny May. Imagine that. Delightful. Um, And the one final one it led me to was um, South Africa versus Wales. Okay. In 2015, which was a masterclass in how to take points when they're available. Both teams were slotting drop goals and slotting penalties. They were. And And I wonder if we'll see a bit of that. Was it the Marlin that scored at the end? Uh, it was a Vermal and backhanded pass no, to Faree Dupree in the corner that won it. But that was, they were still in the game because of taking penalties and taking drop goals when they're on offer. Yeah, I think that's exactly what Wales are going to do again. They, uh, Wales have to, yeah, to do that. So after all of that, I don't, I still don't know what to make of the New Zealand England <laughs> game. I'd, I was hoping for some like pearl of wisdom some analogy I was waiting for some like incredible articulate summary <laughs> Never and so it's, in summary England's route to victory is I haven't got a clue <laughs> yeah but basically I like I, if I put all of that together I think they will have the um the rope dope trick I'm going to call it from this point onwards where they they are comfortable kicking ball to New Zealand and trust their kick chase. I think they'll do that. I think they will be very physical up front and I think any time they get any opportunity they will try and take points as as they did late on against Australia. Well I was finishing off someone's pension recommendation today um, in my job as a a financial advisor and uh, just as I nearly got there I thought, do you know what I need to watch? Half an hour of Jamie Roberts highlights and that's what I did. (laughs) And I, I'm like you, don't have any idea how England are going to win. <laughs> you probably got about as much um, useful information from your Jamie Roberts highlights as I did from this. Yes. The, uh, the thing I'm incredibly concerned about in terms of the England selection is what happens if four outside centres get injured. We're in real <laughs> trouble then. <laughs> yeah, it is a worry, isn't it? Oh, yeah. If Manu goes down, then Daly goes down, then Slade goes down, then Joseph goes down, who is going to fill in? Yeah, where do you turn? It, it's not immediate, ob- immediately obvious, is it? <laughs> what do you read into that? Because that is a very interesting selection. I did not expect to see Slade and Joseph I on the think, bench. Do you know why I think he's done it? I think he's done it because they deserve it. Um, they've both played really well. They're both very valuable. Jonathan Joseph is almost certainly an out-and-out 13. But I guess he'll have to be used in the outside backs, and yep. depending on you know what you know what circumstance happens, he can move Slade about, he can move uh, Farrell about, he can move. Um, well, he can't move. It could about. backfire. It could really backfire that. Well, he's got the flexibility on the field as well. Don't remember. Uh, uh, well, I don't okay, forget. minute second minute, and Anthony Watson goes off. Or well, that's not ideal. No, or, not, jo- or Johnny May's hamstring goes. Yeah. Or which you, we yeah. know, which we know he's been struggling this week, and I'm I'm actually half expecting an announcement before the game that Thokkenasing is in instead of Johnny May. 
Really? Ah. So Half I... expect just just to not have not to to have no wing cover, no um, yeah, out yeah, and but... out wing cover when you've got a partially injured winger. But they do, which would be my point. So if May goes when on... they have Jack, I would say I would say it was bearing in mind you've got Henry Slade. It would make more sense to have Jack Knoll, who if there is loads of outside centres going down, could. Go to or Daly can step in or whatever. Yeah, but, but wouldn't you but just say okay, to not, not have a back three player on the bench just worries me. Well, no, because what would happen is say if um, May goes down, uh, you basically put um, Daly to wing. Daly to wing. Slade drops Slade, to fifteen. Slade's fifteen. Yeah, no well, problems. Yeah, or Watson's fifteen, and then JJ on the wing. Or you know, yeah. there's loads. There's loads of permutations. I think they'll be more than fine. You you could do it. One interesting thing was Jack Jack Noel is injured. Yeah. So they, they, oh, okay. that, that was confirmed this week. So Tell you what, Rory, I suspect he might have been on the bench had he been fit. Rory, um, Rory, is it Rory? McConaughey? McConaughey. Yeah. Is it Rory or Rodri? Rory. Yeah, Rory. Rory McConaughey and uh, Joe, Joe Cock and a singer. I mean, have they had any minutes? USA. Is that it? Pretty much. So uh, you know, if I'm Bruce Craig, I'm not. I'm not happy. <laughs> you've taken two of my players, two of my wingers, and you've not used them. And taken an, another two. Um, Jonathan Joseph and Anthony Watson. Although, oh God, although you yeah. are you are using them. I mean, a bit at least more. You, at least you're getting extra ticket sales for those two. The <laughs> other two, nothing. Someone's got to, someone's got to collect the bibs at the end of a training session. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. Yeah, it's, it has been interesting seeing some of the guys that have been brought in to the squads in order to basically hold tackle bags and hit rooks and lineouts. So, like um, for Ireland. Um, Reese Ruddock's twin brother, I think it is, or yes, his brother, right. is a physio with the island squad. And he, he he was seen with lifting straps on. Um, and Andy Farrell referenced that he was, he did a contact ses- session with the boys. Well, and this week, Bryn Gatland was in the Wales camp. So, funny you mention about Wales. They got by, the, by the way, is contact session with the boys the new coffee with the boys? Yeah, Maybe. Well, don't don't ask Liam Williams. I'm sure last year, last year, last World Cup, Gallant had a load of lads in camp, like um, Darcy, whatever his name is. Yeah, Kristen Darcy. Uh, yeah, yeah, him, um, and two or three others. And he was told you've got to remove those guys from camp. They can't be in camp with you because they're eligible to play, but they're not part of the 31 man squad. Exactly. So he's got round it by having someone who's ineligible to play. I guess so. <laughs> Even though he's got a Welsh name, I'm fairly certain. I don't know. I don't know where he was born. He must have been born in New Zealand. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Because uh, he was at the Blues, but I don't know if he's got a Super Rugby contract. Surely, surely he's going to get a Welsh regional contract. Surely. I was going to say the the, the, um, the Gatlin's law. Just because Warren Gatlin's not the boss, Bring Gatlin can invent his own law that will mean he's eligible for Wales. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, he was. In 1995, so way before Gatlin's tenure in Wales, he was born in New Zealand. So, uh, just back to this game, who are you two most worried about in New Zealand? Oh, it's difficult to say. They've got so many threats. I'm worried about that back three. I'm worried about the two centres, their running game. I think one of the, the times I'm actually most worried is when you see Ardi Surveyor packing down at eight. Yes, because it means they're going. It means they're going quick ball, and he is something, lightning. Something nasty is about to happen to your backline. Yes, so that's. I, I mean, if I had one piece of advice, I know England will be all over it. But 
just watch out when Ardy packs down at eight on New Zealand scrum. There's going to be some fire fireworks. Yeah, uh, England needs to be physically dominant uh, early and sort of stay on top psychologically. If they start getting getting the line broken or start going backwards in defence at the hands of New Zealand, you know, it could be in for a long afternoon. But they've also got to have twos up tackles all the time. Yes. Because if you fail to do that, and New Zealand did it to great effect multiple times against Ireland, if they can get that offloading game going, they're so dangerous. And they quickly sh- shift from that offloading game that sucks players in because you're having your line breached to then going wide and two passes and exploiting the, the space out wide. Obviously, we spoke about Audi Surveyor. Yeah, who are the other carriers in the New Zealand pack that you worry about? Um, well, Retallick and Whitelock. Um, Reed has still got it. Reed showed against Ireland; he can still do it. Cody Taylor's handy with Dane Coles off the bench, and then the two props. It was very interesting before the tournament, specifically in relation to Owen Franks getting dropped. Hansen referenced. We need carriers. We need props who are not just scrummagers. We need boys to carry. Yep. So, Laulala, and then the boys off the bench. And that, and part of the reason why they left, you know, a two-time World Cup winner at home. Yeah. It, it, yeah, a direct reason why they left. A two-time World Cup winner. And they're starting tight for the best part of a decade. Arguably the best tight in the world for the best part of a decade. Yeah. <sighs> so, predictions? Ugh. It, it's, uh, so the, the penalty count is going to be massive and that's one yeah. thing that again fills me with confidence going in because I mean England haven't been tested in a way they were about to be tested but their defence has been immense and their penalty count has been low and if that can be replicated even you know to, to three quarters of the level that it has been against New Zealand then England will win but that that's that's going to be huge because the pressure they're going to be under. But I, when I saw the selection for New Zealand, the one thing I thought is Steve Hansen knows what he's doing and he might have had this in mind for a long time and they'll they'll have their systems ready to go. But the fact they've changed it, I love that. I love that from an England point of view and I think, I think they're going to do it. For the first time all tournament, I've felt a little bit optimistic about England. Uh-oh. I just thought... Oh, Jay, why do you have to say that? I think they've got <laughs> no. it in. I think they, they could do it. Uh-oh. But in terms of probabilities, I think they could do it maybe three, four, three or four times out of ten. Maybe, maybe three I, times. I, think, or one in th- I was thinking about this. I reckon uh, it, it, every three games, England would win one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something three, like that. One in three, one in four seems right yeah. to me So for England. based on that, England can win, but New Zealand will win. Yeah, I said before the tournament, New Zealand were my favourites for it. Nothing nothing that I've seen, especially not their performance against Ireland, has suggested oh, that, any, that that has changed. With that said, I, I, like, I like everything that I've seen of England. I think they've done things so well. And I think the, the Australia test was quite a good one for England to go and play New Zealand. Because Australia, of the quarterfinal teams, I would suggest are the team that play most like New Zealand. Surely Japan. Uh, but Japan play different. Japan, their handling skills are as good, but they don't play the. They don't have the forward ability that New Zealand have. 
So, so Australia are like a New Zealand light, even to the point where Bowden Barrett and Curtly Beale, you've got a playmaker at 50, a pacey playmaker at 15. You've got two wingers. You've got a, a powerful Fijian winger and you've got a rangy Hodge or Bridge. You've got a, a big, competent pack with massive second rows. There, there are a lot of parallels. Australia are definitely a light version. They're nowhere near as good as New Zealand. Yeah, but that's me, the right prep. Why do they not need Rico Ioni again? He's it, So his form this year hasn't been amazing. But he was literally the best player on the planet. He was. 12 months ago. Yep. Yep. But they've got uh, Bridge and Sevu Reese, who are very solid, very stable, very good attackers. Very stable, very stable geniuses. Very stable geniuses. Very devastating attackers and two totally different type of players. Um, so yeah, it's any team that can leave Rico Ioane out. Good God, imagine leaving Rico Ioane at home. Oh, well, Julian Surveyor, just saying, yep, yeah, nope, we're never going to need you again. Yeah, uh, Aaron Cruden, bye. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. Sapawanga, Fakatoa, the but list goes on and on. And on. The that New Zealand have done that to the number of wingers that New Zealand have done that to down the years. When you think of Rokothoko and Sivavatu, and yeah, well, like you look at the number of caps they've Naholo. got, not that many. Yeah, Naholo, Piatau, uh, Luatua, Victor Vito, Jerome Kano. What do you think? This is the best All Blacks team. I mean, I tend to think that they are right in when they let people... They're very good at keeping the right people. But that said, is there a better All Blacks team out there? It's a good question. So, I was thinking about this. I'll I'll answer a slightly different question. Please. (laughs) Um... It's not. It's not just. It's not just Robert Largan that is a politician. <laughs> potentially, you've you've got the credentials with that answer, Phil. <laughs> well, I've not given my answer yet. Um, so, <laughs> my to answer a different question, I was thinking about Eddie Jones's comment in the press conference when he said that England have been building for this this game for two and a half years because they looked at the tournament, they looked at the the groupings, and said New Zealand are going to win every game, and we back ourselves to win every game. That means we meet them in the semi final. And I was thinking, that's great. And you've been preparing for this game for two and a half years. This England team in its current guise have been preparing for just shy of four years since Eddie Jones first took over. Because this was the total focus. But this New Zealand team, even though the players are totally different, they have been preparing the way that New Zealand play in this for this kind of moment since uh, November 2008. Seven, when they got beaten by France at the Millennium Stadium, which I was there for in the World Cup. So after that, there were changes made that have seen them successfully win two World Cups and get to the semi-final of this third one and be the best team in the world, number one ranked team in the world for the best part of a decade in that period. So um, I know it's answering a different question, but I think the the build-up for this is for New Zealand is so much more than just this World Cup cycle, and I think that shows. And to go back to your point, there's not we we mentioned this last week. There's if you look at that front row, Moody, Taylor, Laulala, that is not a um, Woodcock, Mialamu, Franks. It's not a, the names that. Yes. They, it's not. Well, none of these New Zealand th- team are the names. Really, it's not three. Isn't a name. It's not three one hundred cap players. No. 
you you've got a handful of the names in there. I mean, Whitelock and Retallick and Reed, Aaron Smith will go down as one of the greats. Bowden Barrett unquestionably will go down as one of the absolute greats. Do you think? Yeah. I think Bowden Barrett will go down in the same sort of column as Carlos Spencer. No. What? No, no chance. Whoa, hang on. The greats, like the greatest. Yeah, what did Carlos Spencer win? Wait, 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 wait. Well, what's Bowden Barrett won? A World Cup. World Cup. Wasn't it? Wasn't last he was time? 15, he was 15 in the last oh, World God, Cup. Oh, God, he was. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, and Super Rugby. And Super, yeah, Super Rugby doesn't count. No, there's <laughs> just been that off. Um, and a few rugby championships. Yeah, again, no big deal. So Dan Carter is the best of all time. And I don't think yeah. he's even I don't even think he's on his level yet. As good as he is. Then someone like Johnny Wilkinson, and I think Bone Barrett is probably he's getting there. He's gonna have have, have a few more years, but at the moment, if he stopped tomorrow, he, people think about thinking about this call think about him like Carlos Spencer, an amazing talent, can score loads of points, but actually when it really, really mattered, you know, his kicks went awry or or whatnot. Well that Wait, is he twenty six? Uh maybe twenty eight. You know? Maybe twenty eight. Let's, let's have a look. Yeah. Electric yeah. skills, electric pace, you can't catch him, good runner. On paper should be brilliant. Twenty eight. So I actually think if you're comparing him to just Dan Carter, you're doing it slightly wrong. Because you should be comparing him to Dan Carter and Christian Cullen. Well, Rolled, that's rolled, Cullen. Hang on. Yeah. rolled so into that, one player. So that's exactly why you compare him to Carlos Spencer. Spencer, because Carlos Spencer played 15, 13, and, and 10. But Carlos not, Spencer was amazing. He was an incredible player. But um, I'd say one of the, the most talented players ever to play the game. Yeah, well, Quade Cooper is one of the most talented players to yeah, have played yeah, the game. Yeah, Quade Cooper. Yeah, I think that's. I think there's like two different branches. Do you know when like cats branched off into dogs and, 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 and whatnot? <laughs> yeah, I think they sort of go. With... What happened? We're cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. I mean, we all share. We all share thing. an evolutionary uh, thing, but this cats and dogs thing, this is new one on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they kind of split off into different species. We've, yeah, we've, there must be a common ancestor at some point. Yeah, exactly, Tim. Yeah, go uh, back ten million years. 100 million years. Yeah, so I'm basically trying to say that Bone Barrett is more cat than dog, <laughs> as is Carlos Spencer. Yes. Okay, I can agree with that. Bowden's a cog. <laughs> a cog. <laughs> yes, I think so. Uh, uh, so, just one other thing to mention in this. Have you seen those little graphic going round of this England team compared to the England team that lost by... Only one point in November 2018. Yes, I have. Um, this England team is miles better. Miles better than that one. Well, I don't know. Ashton was played. He's pretty good. Ash- Ashton's fairly handy. Um, so, Tio, would you have Tio over Manu? No. Uh, Shields, would you have Shields in there? Lol. Um, Mar- no, Jack. Mark Wilson at number eight? Yes, potentially. Over Billy? Um, well, the way no. Billy's playing, he's not playing great. No. I I definitely wouldn't. I would he, have, he's not playing great, but he, he's so I think I have Mark team. Wilson in the team. Uh, yes, so I, get, I take the point. I am, I'm very happy that um, Wilson's on the bench, actually. Not, I think Ludlam's been brilliant, but Wilson's work Wilson's rate. the boy. He, he's superb. Um, and then um, the front row... Sinclair, great, but then Hartley and Moon compared to Jamie George and Mako Vunapola. So you can mm. make you can make 
well, and they have made five or six changes to make that team significantly better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Come on, come on. So yes, Phil. On all of that, I still don't know. But I'm predicting New Zealand. But it's going to be so, so, so close. Oh, I'm so nervous. I'm so excited. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> I'm so annoyed that I'm going to be on a bloody aeroplane when it's on. Oh my God, I forgot you mentioned that last week. Oh my God. God. Cannot believe what... I, so I don't, I, I've, I've worked it out. Um. Because I'm not, I'm going to find out the result. Because as much, do, do I put headphones in and put the music up really loud when when the plane lands and everyone's phones go on? Because everyone's going to be talking about it. I'm not going to be able to avoid it. You aren't. So I, I kind, so I've come, I've come to the philosophical conclusion that if England lose, I will not be bothered that I've missed it. Because oh, do you know what? That saved me 80 minutes of absolute agony, and I'll watch it with a without the stress. And if we win, I'll be so happy we're in a World Cup final that I won't care. Yeah. Oh, I'm so annoyed. It's so annoying. Can you not, do you not get um, free Wi-Fi in first class? <laughs> first class? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good Could point. You not good just point. Get, of course I do. Could you not just get your driver to turn on his hotspot? <laughs> uh, no, the, uh, you know, but... No, I, sh- I shouldn't say this even on a podcast because I'll probably get frisked at the airport if I suggested, can someone just please try and engineer us a way that we have a two-hour delay? Extinction Rebellion. Yes. Manchester Airport, Terminal 1. Yes. Extinction Rebellion. That's my only hope. The Krusties are my only hope. Wowza. <laughs> so when you land, you're either in a World Cup final or not, but you'll, you will not know. Yeah. Oh, I would hate that. I'd absolutely hate it. But yep. then, I'm, yeah. equally, there are going to be huge swathes of this game that I'm watching from behind my fingers with no fing- no fingernails left, thinking, I hate this. Why do I, like, why do I follow this game? Yeah, I, I wish I wasn't doing this to myself. Yeah, you need to be careful that this isn't young Thomas's first proper memory. <laughs> yeah. No, he's way, <laughs> too, he's way too young for that. Way too young. So, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous because... Yeah, I've staked an awful lot on Eddie Jones not being very good. And frankly, he's already exceeded my expectation. So, might have been wrong on that. If he gets a World Cup final, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> on the other hand, I really want England to make the World Cup final because I do like the English team. I like the Premiership players. And I love the amount of downloads it generates for, for, uh, for the podcast. <laughs> so, I just don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> um, did you... Have you 
Tim, I think you mentioned one of the press conferences before, but the Eddie, oh, yeah. the Eddie Jones press conference earlier in the week where he was in a provocative mood and yeah. he was just baiting journalists. I don't want... But why are the journalists so, A, stupid to falling for it? Because <laughs> they fall for it every time, don't they? I love that. As soon as he mentioned... So he, he jokingly mentioned that someone might have been in a window filming and then all of their questions trying to interrogate his strategy player fitness his um, selection and all the rest of it totally go out the window they just want a clickbait headline about oh do you think it was new zealand was it in, in new zealand uh, <laughs> spy in, in yeah. the window and there was like four or five so he just moved on every time but there's four or five separate questions after he mentioned that all trying to take him back to someone with it who could have had a video camera in a hotel room or an apartment and window you wonder like was it worth the flight to send these boys out there? <laughs> I mean, is that is that a good use of anyone's money? Uh, and, it, and got, like, it got it generated some good clickbait. But like, it's so easy. It's so easy to throw them off, um, <laughs> and yet they fall for it. It takes somebody back at you know back at BBC HQ or somewhere to write an article about oh how Eddie's protecting his players by yeah you know, yeah really really I mean it's I, the oldest trick in the book. I don't want to throw any of my sort of fellow media professionals under any bus whatsoever because the the work they do is uh is fantastic. Oh, it's God's work. However, uh, however, there they're, is they're, a they're, they're like international relief workers. The most important <laughs> exactly. job in the world. When when they're finished with this, then they'll go back to the easier job of clearing landmines. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is you could quite easily do this job remotely in the UK. You, yes. th- there's, th- there's not much invest- investigative journalism going on at a World I Cup. Will go... there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of people who have a, an absolutely amazing jolly, and maybe oh. they've earned that through their career and fair play. Well, yeah, and I think this is where, for instance, someone like myself would struggle in that job because I have maybe too much fun. Uh <laughs> I mean, from we, my experience of going out there, I learned nothing about rugby. In fact, if anything, my my knowledge went backwards at a rate of knots. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were we had a few beers a few times during our two yeah. and a, two and a bit week trip to yeah, Japan. Just no good. And we had a few strong zeros as well. Yeah, which uh, if if you're trying to learn anything about anything, strong zero is not the answer, or it is the answer. I can't remember I, which. It depends what the question is. Yes. Sweet me... spot. A couple of them is the answer. Yeah. Oh, that's let, dangerous. Let... A couple of strong zeros. Let me answer a different question. Strong zero is the answer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm amazed that they were. I'm amazed that they're so easily misled and, and allegedly are, are professionals. But you know, we are used to the content that they provide us now. You know, if they were smart, they'd be podcasters. <laughs> so, so to wrap that up, are we all predicting New Zealand? Yes. Uh, I think England are, are going to get there one in three. I do think it's a one in three chance, but I just, I, I, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I've got to say England. Yeah, I, I love your optimism. And I, a big part of me, the, the, it's the hope that kills you. It is. I'm getting, I'm getting sucked in thinking about how England can win and then how New Zealand can be thrown off. Right. Give, hey, uh, give hey, me England. Hey, here you go. Just think about this. The way I I look at England is they failed in the Six Nations and it was a failure. It was. They've gone through the warm-ups and they were impressive, but they're still warm-ups. 
They get to walk up and they saw nothing like the resistance that they thought they were going to see. They breezed through the group stages and then they met an Australia team who I think most Australian fans would say were historically bad by Australian standards. And now they are going to play the All Blacks. So, has all this easiness led them uh, led them to a place where they're supremely confident, supremely fit and ready to go? Or is it a completely false confidence which is going to get shattered within the first 10 minutes? And they've got a soft underbelly. Yes. And I tend to think it's the latter. This England team don't have a soft underbelly. Mm. But they may well they may well be blown away by a 10-minute spell from... Scotland. One of, from, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they may well be blown away by an incredible 10-minute spell from this New Zealand side. No, no question. On that note, I'm just going to reiterate, I've got no idea. Yeah, I think I know. I think I think it's your blacks. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah. How are you feeling about those Welsh boys, JB? Um, I'm I'm trying not to think about it really. I mean, I I feel like we're not as close as we once were. We're different people now. After my little uh, sojourn supporting France <laughs> throughout the Six Nations, as well, I might add, including the game against Wales. <laughs> yeah. It feels a little bit dirty of me to come crawling back just because they're in a semi. But, you know, all things being equal, I would quite like Wales to win. On the other so hand... So you've, you've had your exotic fling. Yeah, basically. Now, now you, don't, you don't want to come crawling back, so you're still living in the car at the minute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Dreaming of your nights with Untermac and DuPont <laughs> oh. and Vakatawa. That's how and, it should have been. And Pernod. We were so happy. Oh, and Uge. The nights you spent with Uge. Exactly right, exactly. I mean, that, that's a team I wanted to see play, but <sighs> they're not there. Um, now, there's a few things. Obviously, growing up watching Wales, want Wales to win, yada, yada, yada. On the other hand, if Wales can't win, my God, would I love South Africa to win. I would love South Africa to win this World Cup. You're going to get your wish in this particular matchup, JB. So whichever way it goes, (laughs) I'm okay. So to answer your question, I think Wales will be supremely competitive, be supporting them, but they're going to lose. I said it on Sunday and... The, all the noises coming out of the Wales camps have confirmed my worst fear for them that they had players strapped up, they had players going off, um, they had players struggling during that front, that brutal front encounter. That, they, they've got half a team missing, and the, the, the other, the half the team that's fit will have all sorts of bumps and bruises and and carrying injuries. It was revealed that Hadley Parks has been playing with a broken bone. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's got a broken hand. In his hand. But that doesn't really surprise you that much. I know. Judging by the World Cup Hadley Parks has had. Yeah, he's been absolutely brutalised. He is so hard to keep getting up from, from this physical I, I Do you know what? Encounters. As soon as this World Cup's over, I'm going to start a GoFundMe for Hadley Parks so he can retire. <laughs> because, frankly, no man deserves any more rugby. <laughs> he's done so amazingly well. So, so everything that I've seen this week has just confirmed that. So Wales win tight games. They did it all through the Six Nations. They've done it now. They've done it historically under Gatland. They've won um, five of the last six games against South Africa, but they're not going to win this one because no, when not. when they're when they are after fifty minutes when they're feeling fragile and battered and bruised, and South Africa bring a world class tight five 
off the bench to replace their world tight class type five that has just been beating up um, Wales for 50 minutes. That's going to break them. Yeah. Now, I disagree with you on they feel sorry. For, I think they grow into, a, in, into games. So I, I'm not really worried about them uh, towards the end. If it's close towards the end, that works in Wales' favour because they're so mentally mentally tough. I think that's when they can pull away and Dan Bigger uh, steps up and takes a kick. Lee Halfpenny will probably be starting, so you've got even more range then. Mm. You know, there's a lot there's a lot to be excited about. On top of that, when they do make their changes, the guy who's gonna come on who I think will make a difference is, is Thomas Williams. I think he's been bloody brilliant. So they've got threats everywhere, but as this game goes on, they're actually gonna get more dangerous. Um South Africa, on the other hand, yes, they've got world-class players. Yes, they will be coming on, but they'll be coming on cold. You know, they're going to have to take 10, 10 minutes or so just to get into into the rhythm of the game. So it's not as big a threat for me as you know you might think. Where I think Wales are going to come and stuck is that first twenty, when just the sheer physicality of South Africa is going to hit 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 them like a tsunami, and that's a, and that's the problem. Hmm. South Africa have done that well against. Well, New Zealand and Italy, they did that very well. Opening twenty minutes, yeah, they it's did. Good. And, and the way that the, the way the Japanese players spoke about facing up against South Africa, I forget which Japan player it was, but just said, "Yeah, fair and square. We just got we just got beaten up. We just got battered." Who is that? Who is there that stands up to that South African pack? Yes, I know Alan, Alan Wynn. Jones and Ken Owens and Ken and Owens Moriarty. Yeah, but you know, even Ken Owens. I mean, yeah, great player, phenomenal player. He's not. He's he's not Malcolm Box. No, let's, I don't think we should. I I I kind of disagree with you on that one. I I I, I don't worry about Wales matching up so much. I think to, to jump to jump sports and picking up on what Phil said, it would have been like um, go back ten years. It would have been like um, a heavyweight boxer going up against uh, Vitali Klitschko for six rounds and then Vladimir coming in (laughs) straight out of the the dressing room yeah that's that's quite a good analogy yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's gonna be really tough uh Colby's not not playing now Colby's not playing and depending on who you listen to for your rugby commentary this is um this is (laughs) it's the world's biggest disaster or the the best thing that's happened to Welsh rugby since uh, Warren Gatland took over years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not mentioning the fact that his replacement, Nkosi, is bloody brilliant. Yes. Like, bloody brilliant. Eight tries in ten tests and a phenomenally dangerous runner as well, obviously. And good under the high ball. In fact, yeah. he's bloody brilliant. Yeah. So Colby, amazing talent, but this uh, Nkosi's you know, no, uh, no slouch himself. Yes. Hundred percent, and um, uh, Liam Williams is uh, out. It, it, it appears, uh, but I was thinking about this, and I reckon of every team in world rugby, if there's a team that actual the name that's on the bit of paper matters the least because the system is so rigid and solid and set, then Wales. it's probably Wales. Well, if your but, baseline, uh, if your baseline talent is quite low anyway, what does it matter? And yes, we've already seen him match to turn uh, Aaron Wainwright into a you know one of the best players in the World Cup, and Thomas Francis playing at Doncaster a few years ago looks like an international prop. Obviously, Mo- Rob Baxter and and the and Mo- the Dragons need to take some credit for those as well. But uh, Moriarty, maybe the, the, the one fourth, in- the fourth best back row in Gloucester. Exactly, 
Exactly. So, but maybe the one I was, I was, I was going to say actually, like the systems are so set with Wales that maybe like Navidi, they won't feel that as much as, um, as much as other countries might miss, you know, uh, yeah, one of their main back rowers being out. How, but the one player I would say that that I would have an exception for that for would be Liam Williams. Yeah, but I've always liked Halfpenny. Yeah, and Halfpenny is a you know Halfpenny is a far more reliable fullback at the back to the point that you know if you remember how Wales used to play they used to push their two wings up forward into the defensive lines to give them even more stability because Halfpenny was so uh, was so good at reading the game so you know it's it's a different option it might be a slightly worse option but it's not a much worse option yeah I mean they, you know the guy who you can't afford to lose is probably Gareth Davis um or Dan Bigger or Alan Wynn. I mean, those those guys are like tournament enders. So, predictions then? Do you, well, do you give Wales? Do you, do you think the odds? Like we said, England one in three or one in four. I think Wales is a, is a similar kind of ratio. I, I I think. I would actually suggest, given the teams and injuries, a slightly worse. So one in four. One in, one in four, one in five, that kind of, um, those kind of numbers. Um, I think a couple of things. I I think they're going to throw Owen Lane either as a starter, or they're going to put him on, put him on on the bench. I think this is one of those games where they just they just go for it. Remember, they beat England, okay, with an injured Tyler Howard. Is it Morgan Stoddart or was it Tyler Morgan who went down? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Tyler Morgan. Anyway, yeah. How did I say Morgan Stoddart? Yeah. A, no, that not, not not Morgan Stoddart. No, they are Tyler Morgan. Uh, Hallam Amos. That's who I'm thinking of. Bloody hell, Morgan Stoddart. Where did I get that from? <laughs> um, yes, um, and in yeah, so they end the game with scrum halves on the wing, you know, all sorts of horrible stuff, and they still won. I think uh, I think Wales are going to win this. They're going to take the lead late. I don't think I would be surprised if they have the lead at any other point in the game except for the last ten minutes, and they're going to win it by two points. Unfortunately, I think give me South Africa by ten points. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, hmm. but you're wrong. <laughs> uh, now, just a word about. Just no, so so I, I would say I, I picked South Africa. Oh, I picked New Zealand, and uh, no, did I pick South Africa or New Zealand? I can't actually remember what I picked on the podcast at the start of the tournament. Doesn't matter. But I, I think I Was actually think that I, <laughs> I, I disagree. I disagree with um, Phil that it's longer odds. I, I still think Wales are, are is comparable with England, New Zealand. Um, I just think I, I do think the injuries and the lack of Liam Williams might just tip the balance but I think I really think this could be close and Wales have definitely got a shout but I'm going to go South Africa mm. yeah interesting interesting well if South Africa do win um, I hope they win the World Cup so we don't ever have to hear about oh soft hands or <laughs> developed <laughs> skills or you know, rugby X uh, I, I don't want <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear about any of this nonsense uh, anymore I want to hear about big men running into other big men I want to hear about bullying on the game line game line I want to hear about collisions uh, scrummaging I want to hear about all of all of that stuff so in what a way 
if South Africa do win, and to be fair, Wales are sort of similar in that kind of hard-nosed attitude. Um, in fact, either of these teams, if they could just go and beat the All Blacks for me, please, that would be wonderful. So we can get to what the beating heart of rugby is, which is bullying other men on a field. <laughs> Who um, of these South Africans, because they've had an incredible turnaround under Raz- Razi Erasmus, which is, you know, they're only operating at a level that this team of that calibre should be operating now. Uh, but have any of them experienced this level before? Franz Dane like, and, and uh, in two thousand seven, Tendai and Tatawira. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, so Franz Dane in two thousand seven, Beast in t- two thousand nine in the Lions. Um, other than that, it would be the semi final of the World Cup in twenty fifteen. When yes. Andre Pollard was playing, uh, who did they lose to? All the All Blacks. Uh, it was All Blacks because it was Australia beat Argentina in the other semi, and then South Africa won the the bronze, the third place playoff. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so I, I think the more they're more than equipped. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. A defeat, a defeat to the champions last that, World Cup kind of feels like the the stepping stone you take to get to a final this time around, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I have. I have one last question for you. Well, actually two two questions. Um, do you think these are the four best teams remaining in the tournament? Judging by the performances in the tournament, yes. Um, with a nod to how France played at times against Wales, but the overall across the tournament, no, I, I think these four are definitely the best four. Yeah, and I, if, I, if, I you'd ask, if you'd ask me the question... Sorry, go on, I will me. answer that by saying, I will answer that by answering a different question, and the answer is strong zero. <laughs> Absolutely, that, depending on the question, of course. Yes, it's definitely strong zero. Um, if you'd asked that question a year ago, Ireland would have been in there, but their fall, the drop off this year has been significant. Oh, significant. Significant. That was downfall. That was the true downfall, mate. Wasn't World it? number one out in the quarters. Right, in the, right underneath our nose. Well, hang on. Also, the joint most successful Ireland team in the World Cup ever. Yeah. So let's not write him off. Yeah, yeah that's true. Not, let's not be too harsh. That's true. Um, and the second question, which is not related to these games, and I might just save it for later because it's just a little, a little bit of a talking point. Go on. Well, it wasn't announced uh, on Sunday, was it? But following last weekend's games, Sebastian Varhamina has retired from rugby. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. He's retired from international. Yes, sorry, yes. Not not all forms of rugby. He has received... 28 years old. Yeah, 28. He has received a six-game ban as well for his elbow. Not that it matters. Um, yeah, well, it, it does matter for... Claremont. Yeah. Um, it feels like a shame it feels like a massive shame but I can totally understand his perspective it comes down to what did the French press make of him because I know the English press uh, were particularly uh, unkind to him uh, I don't, particularly uh, like oh he didn't oh he's through a horrible pass against Wales he's at fault for this um, this this and the other uh, and then he makes a horrible mistake in in, in the semis. Uh, I don't know what the, what his home coverage has been been like, but I would hate to think a player was hounded out of the game at age twenty eight for mistakes. Oh, do me a favour. Come on, you, you're meant to be like uh, 
I thought you were with me on just people being offended and, and snowflake. If he got upset about the coverage of him elbowing someone in the face... Don't elbow in, people in the face? <laughs> I mean, that would be my immediate... He got annoyed, if he got annoyed that he got given a hard time about elbowing someone in the face, then... He was capped in. He threw up passes. I mean, I, look, I like I say, I don't know. But it is, it is a weird thing to be retiring from international rugby age 28. Starting to build a narrative that Sebastian Vahamina has been bullied out of the French team. Come I'm not, on. I'm not saying Come that. Come on. Well, no, if, it would be sad to think if if he's been hounded out. Hounded out? Come on. So Do someone, me a favour. He else. feels like a prat. He feels like a prize prat. He's, he's made a, a very emotional decision, which I understand wouldn't have been easy. But he, he could be back. He might be like you. Like you with your little uh, exotic fling with the French team. Yes. He, he, might, he might live in his car for a bit and then, and then come back. There, yeah, there was another man who retired from international at twenty-eight. Who? Joe Marler. Oh yeah, and Grossed out. Yeah, who? It was Joe, for... Joe Marler hounded out by Eddie Jones. Hold on, does he re-retire after, as soon as the World Cup's over? Maybe <laughs> he might do. Save, save himself because he's twenty-nine now. Save himself for the next the World, next World the Cup. The Lions. Well, Lions and the next World Cup. Crikey, Tom Croft will be around by then. <laughs> He'll be back fit. I wouldn't like to cast any aspersions on, on but can I just suggest that, that that one group of people who really don't want England to win? The Welsh. No, the Irish. The Scottish? French. The the, no, the New Zealanders. The, the 2003 England World Cup winning side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, in the same way the Miami Dolphins don't want, any, from 1960 or whatever, don't want anyone to be going beaten. <laughs> Because that, that, their their career will take their after dinner and and commercial hospitality careers will take a nosedive. Oh, uh, won't they? Absolutely. Just... <laughs> the phone just stops ringing. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, <laughs> this is actually quite funny because I didn't even know it was still. Well, I, I would never think. I never would have thought to visit this page, right? <laughs> but the ex the. The ex-media man at the sale, um, well, I can't remember his name now, but um, him. Yeah. As I understand it, until very recently, certainly when he left sale, his part-time job was writing the webpage for Jason Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Who is going to jasonrobinson.com on a daily, on a daily basis to read, to read content? <laughs> Uh, JasonRobinson.co.uk actually. Uh, you just looked it up. <laughs> I'm just looking. What, what, what was it? Robinson uh, and Jason Robinson MBE World Cup winner. This oh, is my point. Way, this you, is my point. Yeah, but like, who who is going? Who is nipping to Subway at one o'clock in the afternoon, picking up their Subway, coming back? BBC Sports page, bit of NFL. Oh, I wonder if there's been an update on the Jason Robinson page yet. <laughs> I'll keep that tab open just in case. <laughs> what was that story, Phil? Uh, it's in a bit of a weird format where. What was that story? Uh, there's no. It's just about Jason. There's no news stories. What was, well, anyway, anyway, it's quite a professional-looking website. I will say that. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. So, more to the point, any Jason Robinson-related queries, I guess you go there. Do you know what's <laughs> yeah. going to be a wonderful segment for our for our podcast in the future? Players' personal pages, because my guess is. There's not many new ones now. But seven or eight years ago, they were all making their own pages. Yes. Uh, and there'll be a cash 
there'll be like an interweb cache where you can you can get the old pages. They'll yeah. still exist, even if the website's been taken down. Yeah, because still did, didn't we find some old... Oh, no, that was on YouTube, the old um, Ben Foden singing videos. Yeah, I do yeah. seem to remember... Uh, he, he or, had or, or was there a website? I seem to remember he See, did. See, Ben Foden. I've, I've just... Just oh no! It was it was, and he was he was answering questions. <laughs> uh, uh, Sam, Sam, someone found that Samson Lee, like whatever the um, the social media site was before MySpace or whatever, or maybe it was his MySpace page, but Samson Lee's MySpace, amazing, or whatever it was, it was hilarious. Bebo, that's what it was. Samson Lee's Bebo account. Oh yeah! If if, if you want to, if you're a listener and you want to go and hunt out. Old play, player web player websites. Please let us know what a segment that is. Benfoden.co.uk appears to be selling uh, ladies' bags. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, so it's not. He doesn't. He no longer owns it. If he ever owned it. Everyone's. You know. Everyone's got to make a living, Phil. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it is his. Benfoden. Yep. Well, he's a bit preoccupied with his singing in the in the boy band Try Hard at the minute. Yeah. Not Try Hard, um, Try Star. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Try Hard. <laughs> try Hard's not a bad name. I prefer Try Hard to Try Star. <laughs> try Star's the name of an RAF jet. Anyway, look, I think we've probably milked as much out of this podcast as we We are, we, we really have. Definitely. So, uh, on that fantastic note, go find us on probably twitter is, is your best bet i'm at jb and yeah. he's at cocker and this is at rugby podcast so until next week when we will know if wales are playing england in the world cup final me oh Phil- sorry i just said oh my god hearing you say that oh wow yeah mm. god let's let's hope not let's really hope not uh yeah so from me tim and phil let the boys play let the boys play Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.